Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome first time listeners to the Two Scene Podcast, a podcast where two aspiring journalists sit down and talk baseball. I am your host Tyler Foy and alongside me today is my co-host Camilo Fonseca and Camilo... We are locked out. I was hoping that we'd have a better episode to talk about today and hoping it would be a little more positive, but it seems that baseball doesn't want us to be happy. Yeah, it seems like it's, uh, turns out it's a little hard to come to an agreement when you can't agree on anything. So (laughs) that's what we're looking at with, uh, MLB and the Players Union this week. Um, And we really thought that, we're recording this on Saturday, we really thought there would be an agreement today, and uh, nothing happened. (laughs) Especially with uh, Rob Manfred, or Commissioner Rob Manfred, um, going out of his way inside of a press conference to say he was confident that there would be a deal done this Saturday, that there would be a on-time spring training, which could still happen, but... Uh, it's not looking likely. The window's getting shorter. Every single day, of course, and um, the season going to be starting on time. Who knows? I'm, I'm hoping the season starts on time because I have a final, and my final in one of my classes is to go to a Red Sox game and write a paper about it. So I want this season to start on time for my own educational reasons, of course. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to get a season that starts on time. We might still be able to get a 162-game season. But right now, you know, spring training is supposed to start February 26th, February 12th. And, you know, we've made very little progress. So um, if they want to wrap it up, they need to wrap it up in in the next week or else things are going to have to start to move. Yeah. And I think that before we even get into where we are right now, I think we to understand it better, we have to look back. We have to talk about what is a lockout. Right. And this is very you know, it's it's something that we haven't had to experience in our lifetime, but has happened in baseball, um, where the players and the owners can't come up to an agreement in the CBA, and and we're in a situation now where there is a chance that the players could go on strike fully, and there's not even a season. You know, and it's it's scary, right? Because baseball is a, a very big piece of my life, uh, and I would want to to have it for the full season, but. Until the baseball gods decide that there is a good agreement on both sides um, between the MLBPA and the uh, owners, then we're not going to have a season. And uh, this has once again happened in the past with the 1994 to 95 strike where the season was cut short and then, of course, another shortened season 95. But, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not something that it, we can control, obviously, but... I do believe that there have been a lot of strides that have happened that has made this situation better. I think that there is going to definitely be a deal done. Um, at bef- some point. Well, yeah, I knew that. I knew baseball <laughs> was going to come back at some point. I think that once we really get in, I think March is going to be a real rude awakening for both the owners and the players. Uh, I don't know about getting a deal done by the end of February, but... It seems like at least there are some agreements that have been made, and we'll get into that later. But the lockout has kind of done something that has kind of proven a point in baseball in comparison to other sports, at least. Free agency is kind of like this thing where you wait months and months and months, and maybe something happens one month, but there's not a lot going on. Whether, you know, where in other sports like basketball, a lot of people hype up uh, free agency to be like, 
oh, look, this player is going this day and this player is getting signed this day. It's kind of crazy. But do you remember when when all those players were signing before December 1st? Yeah, I do. And we have got some of the biggest contracts that were ever uh, that have ever been signed um, before December 1st um, in the sort of mad rush to get everything done before the lockout started, which, you know, I think the most infuriating thing for it for me is that before December 1st, the front offices were certainly working to get things done. But in terms of the league, there was just no urgency at all to make any sort of real headway. The The first proposal they put forth was everybody knew that this agreement was going to expire December 1st. The league's first proposal um, was made in like August and it was like a non-starter. Um, the, the union didn't even consider it. Um, and it took them until, I think, November to make their next proposal. And they're, like the only real negotiations happened December 1st. So it, it's just maddening to have seen both sides, but especially the league, just sort of sit on their hands for months knowing that this date was coming. Um, and now everybody's surprised that, oh, no, spring training is about to be pushed back. Like, w- w- like what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, and I think it is interesting just to see how we got here and and such. But I think we do got to recap what has happened in free agency Mm -hmm. because since the World Series when the Atlanta Braves won, uh, there's a lot of things that have happened. And one of the biggest teams that have been spending have been the Texas Rangers signing both a a middle infield combo that I think is going to bode pretty well. I'm worried about Marcus Semien. I don't know how Marcus Semien's career is going to hold up. But Corey Seager, at least. So the Texas Rangers went out and they signed both Marcus Semien and Corey Seager to some pretty large contracts, um, spending the most money from any team during the time period before the lockout started. And I don't know, I just feel like Marcus Semien, as much as he's been a good player for the last two seasons, I don't know how sustainable his play is going to be as much as I think Corey Seager has longevity in the sport. It's an interesting take. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, but then again, I don't know Marcus Simeon's numbers, like the the trajectory of his numbers off the top of my head. So um, that could very well be right. I don't know. I, I think it's a reliable um, infield team that they're getting there. Um, the question is, how much does this affect the Rangers? You know, um, does that elevate them enough to get a playoff spot next year in an American league, you know, that's already uh, already a little crowded. However, there uh, that also depends on the amount of playoff bursts that there are, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that affects their long-term uh, chances. Yeah, I mean, they spent a seven-year, $175 million deal on Marcus Semien and a 10-year deal for... Uh, Corey Seager, which was um, and don't forget John Gray, three hundred and twenty-five million. They also got John Gray, not as substantial of a not as substantial, but still a, a very valuable acquisition. I remember before the trade deadline last year, a lot of people were talking about John Gray, and the uh, Rockies uh, front office decided that they would let him walk in free agency because you know it's the Rockies front office. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think they've definitely made some of the biggest splashes this offseason. Yeah, and just in general, this free agent class was probably one of the better um, 
classes for middle infielders. Another middle infielder that went to a team that I did not expect him to go to. Uh, I don't know why anybody would want to, but I guess they're they're trying to rebuild. They're trying to build something nice. Is uh, the Detroit Tigers went out of their way and they signed Javier Baez. Oh yeah, returning to his Midwestern roots. Six year, one forty million dollar deal. I think Javi Baez, um, after a not so great stint at the um, for the Mets, right? I, I did think that maybe the Mets were going to bring him back. I did too. I thought they were. I thought he he didn't do great, certainly, but um, I don't think he was he was atrocious. I thought he deserved a. I don't know if he wasn't atrocious. He had some big moments, but I mean, the thing about Javier Baez, he's he's very much one of those three outcome players right it's either you're gonna hit home run you're gonna strike out you're gonna walk he doesn't walk though he just strikes out <laughs> he just gets out and maybe sometimes he'll hit a home run i don't think he's as good of a hitter oh i don't really? think he's as good of a hitter that people kind of make him out to be um and i know when people don't talk about his offense they mostly talk about his defense because of his flashy plays but when they do talk about this offense they're like oh he can he can hit I don't know if he can. I'm going to be real. You know, I think that Javier Baez is a great baseball player, um, but I don't think that he's elite. I, yeah. I See, I thought you were going to say I don't, his defense is overrated, which I would tend to agree with. I think, especially last year, he had a terrible defensive season, but who knows? Maybe he'll turn that around in Detroit. Right. And, and another middle infielder that got a... Uh, got into the headlines is somebody that you'd like to talk oh, about. I think I know this one, yeah. Uh, the Rays signed rookie Wander Franco to a, I believe, a 10-year contract extension with an option for an 11th year. I think it's somewhere in the range of, I don't know if this is the right number, it's $223 million, um, which is certainly, I think, one of, if not the biggest contract that the Rays have ever given in their entire existence. Um, so... Yeah, I, I think this is something everybody saw coming. They certainly want to lock his talent down um, for a long time. Um, and yeah, I think it's very possible that he will become one of, if not the first, Rays franchise player. I think that's entirely possible. So um, it'll be exciting the next definitely, few years. Definitely not him. the first Rays franchise player. Well, there have been... There have been I think he flashes? is. There have been flashes like Evan Longoria. That's who I for think a time. Of. That's who a lot of people think of. Kevin Kiermaier for a long time. They were trying to build up as a franchise player. I don't know how well how well that worked. Um, but I really think that that his talent, um, if it doesn't fizzle off, which I don't think there's any reason to think it would at this point, um, would make him. He is the first Rays player that, if all goes well, will be in the Hall of Fame in twenty years. You know. 30 years. If, if 30 all years. goes well. If all goes well. And I love Wander Franco. Don't jinx it. So, you know, I, I'm rooting for him. As long as he stops hitting home runs against the Red Sox and breaking <laughs> my heart, I, I'm fine with it. But, you know, I, I like Wander Franco. I like what he brings to the table, obviously, being a switch hitter. Do you think that he should be a shortstop or a third baseman? Oh, I think he should be a shortstop. Yeah? I don't think he... Uh, I think he's okay defensively. I think... I don't know. I can see him being both, but I think he. Uh, they have to reassess now that Joey Wendell's gone. Who Which is play. another thing that happened on the yes, race side. Very sad. Joey Wendell was traded to the Marlins. 
for a, I think a couple of prospects. Um, Joey Wendell is not exactly uh, in the same league necessarily as Corey Seager and uh, and Marcus Semyon, but he was certainly a mainstay of the Rays for a long time. And personally, as a big Joey Wendell fan, I was very sad to see him go. Right, absolutely, and I, I know that was a little painful. But on the topic of um, of extension deals. Uh, Byron Buxton also received a seven-year extension worth $100 million uh, to the Minnesota Twins. And I think Byron Buxton's an interesting case because when Byron Buxton's good, he is one of the best outfielders in the game. But the thing about Byron Buxton is that... He plays for the Twins. That, that is true. (laughs) He's inconsistent because he'll go on his streaks and he'll go on his slumps. Uh, And he's very, very injury prone. Um, and maybe that comes from just his athleticism and mm-hmm. his body can't keep up with his athleticism because he's one of the fastest players. He's one of the most explosive players in the game. Um, but Byron Buxton is very injury prone. So it makes sense that the deal is a seven-year deal that's worth $100 million. And I think that's a really good um, get for the Minnesota Twins if they really want to keep Byron Buxton, build him up to be this franchise player that they have. And if things go well for him, I also don't know the optics of all of these um, contracts where there might be opt-outs at certain points or um, any other incentives, but just looking at it at base value, seven years, a hundred million for a center fielder that could be one of the best in the outfield right now, especially defensively. Um, it's definitely a great deal. I just, I worry about Byron Buxton and his, his again, the longevity of his career if he continues to be so injury prone. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, I uh, I have paid not a lot of attention to the American League Central, so I will take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I some, for some reason, I, I pay attention to all the teams. I, and I, I torture myself by looking at what's going on at the Twins sometimes. I went to a Twins-Red Sox game this year where we won by like 10 runs. Yeah. And I was uh, very, very happy. Was, was Byron Buxton playing? Byron Buxton was on the I.L. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> so, um, moving on from infielders and position players, there were a lot of deals that happened for the arms of the major leagues. Uh, the Mets in general made a lot of moves. The Mets were probably... The team that made the that most were moves unexpected over. too. I did I think not it, see some of these coming. Well, yes, I don't think the moves were unex. Uh, the moves might have been unexpected, but them making moves yes, was not right. Uh, but the biggest one that they did make was signing uh, Max Scherzer, Mad Max, Mad Max, of course, to the Mets, and the deal was for three years, one thirty. Of course, going to be a shorter term deal. Max Scherzer is getting older, but I think that's a that's an interesting place for him to be of course you have jacob de grom and you have max scherzer now that are going to be a one-two punch some people are going to have to face both of them in the same series that's going to be difficult for a lot of lineups to take in if they you know they perform at that level that's just horrendous well assuming de grom stays healthy yes that is health is a major aspect here and and i do believe that you know of course jacob de grom is the best pitcher in major league baseball right now but you can only be the best if you pitch. If you're out there on the field, right? Right. And um, it, it's just it's a matter of time for Jacob Degrom. I do believe that he's doing things that I don't know if his body can. I don't. I think it's proven that his body can't keep up with um, mm-hmm. the certain way he pitches, right? Because he does pitch. If you've seen the logs for the fastest pitches this year uh, from starting pitchers, 
Jacob deGrom has about maybe like 40 plus 100 mile per hour plus fastballs that he's pitched this season or last season. And the next closest person maybe has like three or four from starting pitchers. And I think it was Shohei Otani. I, I do believe that, I don't know if his arm legitimately can keep up with all of the speed that he throws. He has amazing junk. I don't know whether or not if he try to take it down a notch to build up or to have a long season whether or not it would hurt him I don't know if maybe this is something that they're going to try to test next year with him but obviously the the stress that he's putting on his arm every single day is is definitely or every single day he goes out there is definitely taking a toll on him right it'll be definitely interesting to see if he stays healthy um and if Mad Max has the same uh sort of almost career season that he had uh last season um i don't think there will be a significant drop off but obviously he's what 32 33 now you know assuming he stays at a similar level of play you know i think he will be i think he'll be fine well max scherzer you're talking max scherzer's 32 33 is he older he's definitely older he's around 37 years old now. okay you know time does fly though and max scherzer doesn't look like he's aging anytime soon so i don't blame you uh, I just know I play a lot of out-of-the-park baseball, and Max Scherzer does retire early in those video games. So, But the Mets also went out of their way and signed um, Starling Marte, who led the league in stolen bases this year, as well as Eduardo Escobar, a switch-hitting third baseman. Um, he's not the biggest player. I think Starling Marte obviously is a great player for their outfielder, or the outfield that they're you know, he's going to get on base. He's going to steal bases. He's going to create a dynamic on the base paths that they haven't really had. I think their team is not that speedy in general. I think they've had some pretty decent hitters on their lineup, but they haven't had a diversity of their lineup. And I think that's what they're trying to do right now, especially getting a switch hitter and a speedster. So I think that's going to help them out in the long run. The Mets are making some major moves after, of course, having a season where People thought they were going to go out and maybe win it all. They so, underperformed drastically last and, last season. And now they're trying to go out and they're trying to, to prove them wrong. And um, another arm that was... Hold on. Let me hop whoa. back to uh, Max Scherzer real quick. Oh, because I, I think it's so interesting that Max Scherzer signed with the Mets after there was this whole hullabaloo last year about him not wanting to go to the West Coast, which I thought was... Because I think he's from California which is I thought he wanted like the nice weather or like on a California team like the Dodgers, which another note, I'm astounded the Dodgers didn't extend him. But that's that's separate. The fact that he's not only going back to the East Coast, but he's going to another team in the National League East. He's going to have to play against the Nationals. I just cannot, like, I don't know what, it must have been the money because... I don't is, think, what? I don't they're think Max Scherzer. A, they're saying this is a, a 43... The rumor is somewhere in the neighborhood of $43 million per year, which would be the highest um, free agent contract by annual value. It, that's the only thing that I can think of, honestly, is that because his expressed desire last year was to not play in the same division as the Nationals and more broadly mm -hmm. to be on the West Coast. Yeah, right. And, and the thing about it, I don't think Max Scherzer cares much for... As much as, I, I don't know, I don't know Max Scherzer's uh, affiliation or anything like that, but I don't think Max Scherzer's bothered about facing his former team at all. I don't think that's something to him. That I mean, for $43 million, I would not be bothered about facing my team either. I think it just goes out to prove a point, you know, to his former team that shouldn't, you know, that 
hey, I'm better than you think, and you're really missing out. And he's going to go out there. He's going to punch out Juan Soto a couple times. Juan Soto's probably going to get a couple walks, a couple hits off of him too. They're going to go back and forth. It's going to be an interesting matchup that we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to I'm gonna enjoy it, of course. But I do think that we got to move a little quicker through these. Um, so we're going to just kind of touch on some other moves that you guys might not have seen. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez also signed to the Tigers. So the Tigers definitely are trying to uh, improve their team by signing uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, which of course is a former Red Sox player that I know very well. World Series winner, by the way, 2018. Red Sox um, Hall of Fame, you could say. <laughs> okay, <laughs> calm down. Ha, ha, ha. He didn't have a great season. He had actually one of those worst statistical seasons of his career after having such a great, in a year where 2020 was bad, he had some pretty good starts, but, or he wasn't pitching in 2020. I mean, in 2019, when they weren't as good, um, he had some pretty good starts. 2020 didn't play, 2021, he goes out and he has a good first month, and then Eduardo Rodriguez absolutely fell into shambles, terrible year, but he got a five-year deal worth $77 million to the Tigers, and I'm not mad about it. Uh, Jose Barrios got extended by the Blue Jays, and on the ty- on the topic of the Mets, Noah Syndergaard, not on the Mets anymore. So Thor <laughs> is gone. He's gone to the Angels uh, on a one-year deal worth $21 million. And the Angels finally starting to look at their starting pitching and trying to make improvements. I don't know if Noah Syndergaard was the move for them because Noah Syndergaard hasn't pitched in two years, right? right. So you don't know exactly where Noah Syndergaard is in his development. I don't know if I would have wanted to sign him out of all the players, but they love their big name brand players and they're going to keep signing them. Yes. Whether they perform or not, like Anthony Rendon. Aaron Loop went to the Angels on a two-year, $17 million contract. Steven Matz went to the Cardinals. So the Mets are, well, the Blue Jays dumping off a little bit of contracts for to keep Barrios around, as we mentioned. Kendall Grayman had a great season last year as a reliever. Now he's on the White Sox after being on the Astros. And a couple other bigger moves were the Seattle Mariners getting Robbie Ray. Uh, that was a, a move to me that was definitely significant for the Mariners. The Mariners had a overperforming year. Uh, I thought their, their time would come 2023. Uh, I still believe 2023 is going to be a year for them where they're going to see a lot of success. But obviously, being a wild card contender was not on the cards for them, uh, for a lot of people uh, going into the season. Yeah. Well, I, what I really think this is interesting for is, I mean, it will be a big step up for the Mariners. Um, I think it's a big step down for the Blue Jays. Because the mm. Blue Jays were, for a large part of the season last year, contenders. Um, and to see them losing... A lot of their pitching core, obviously, they're trying to keep Barrios around, but I don't, I don't know that this is a step forward, um, especially if they can't sign anybody else. I think it's a big step back for Toronto. Well, I think what Toronto is trying to do is they're trying to prepare, right? Because Toronto doesn't have the biggest budget in the major leagues, but what they do have is they have a very young team like Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, with a and Bo Bichette and these other characters on their team, Alejandro Kirk, that are really good players that they're trying to prepare long-term deals for. You can't go out and sign long-term deals for these players without dumping salary beforehand. Right. And I think that's what they're prioritizing right now. You know, they're they can't sign Robbie Ray to a long-term deal because then it's gonna mess with in two years from now when they're trying to get. 
Vladimir Guerrero to stay in town, right? So I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to prepare for these long-term deals they're going to be handing out to these young players uh, of once they get arbitration, which we'll talk about arbitration in yes. a little bit. But I think that's what they're going for, and I do think it's a step back. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the the risk that they they are running is if they are not contenders in the next two to three years when they're trying to by the time that they start offering these contracts you know a lot of people might opt for free agency well i mean it's a two for one deal for them right because they also got kevin gosman on a five-year deal kevin gosman had a great season last year in in san fran and all the players that had great seasons in san francisco i don't know what's going to happen going forward with their careers because they were a bunch of players that nobody expected to do well and then they do well so now you have so much random um that could happen with their careers going forward i don't know if kevin gosman's going to be one of those players that um does withhold you know what he did the previous years but they get they lose robbie ray robbie ray had an amazing season steven matz had an okay season and they get kevin gosman they extend the rios i don't think they did that much to hurt their chances uh, i think keeping robbie ray would have made them a absolute contender absolutely um but i don't think that they could i'm just yes it, it certainly was a difficult situation i don't know i just thought that the onus on toronto after last year was to close the gap between them and the top of the al east and i think that gap is widening now mm-hmm. on and in red sox news you know i'm a red sox fan so i'm gonna bring it out james paxton was signed on $10 million. Hunter Renfro was traded. Uh, we got a couple players and we return uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. out to center field, I presume. And we're going to see some highlights this year. I'm excited for, you know, Jackie Bradley Jr. is one of those players that, you know, I, I do like his, you know, I like his heart. I love what he brings to the team. But what I don't like is his offense is just absolutely mm-hmm. atrocious, right? And I, I do believe that as much as I love Jackie Bradley Jr., I don't know how much this is going to actually help the team. Hunter Renfro had a great year, and they're capitalizing on Hunter Renfro's great year to get rid of him. What the Red Sox should do, and if you follow anything about international any international players, is the Red Sox should sign Seiya Suzuki or try their best to sign Seiya Suzuki. I think a lot of people are trying to sign Seiya Suzuki. Because if you move him to right field, I think the Red Sox are in a great position here. I love Seiya Suzuki. Everybody knows me, knows I love Seiya Suzuki. Um, And if he got to the Red Sox once again, I'd buy that jersey the first day they announce it. So I'm ready for it. I really want it to happen. Koji Uihara has been pitching batting practice to... um, Seiya Suzuki and has had him on his podcast four times in the last month. So I'm hoping Koji Uihara is doing some great recruiting. Rich Hill uh, is also joining the Red Sox on a one year. We'll see how that turns out. And the Dodgers are bringing back Chris Taylor on an extension. Oh, oh, almost forgot. Marcus Stroman going to the Cubs. <laughs> 71 year, uh, 71 million, three-year deal. And I think there's one person that I left out that you wanted to mention. Yeah, uh, the Rays are signing Corey Kluber from the Yankees. Or, well, he's a free agent, but um, he had a not-so-great um, past two years with the Yankees. Um, so it'll be interesting he to see a no-hitter. if he can rebound. He did pitch a no-hitter, and then he was sidelined for almost the rest of the season. So if yes. Corey Kluber can stay healthy, I mean, it's the same issue as as 
Thor, as DeGrom. Um, these pitchers, assuming they stay healthy, I think they can pitch well. Um, the question is, you know, can that happen? Will that happen? I think it's very important for the Rays to have signed him. I'm very happy that they did because with Tyler Glasnow out, especially, the Rays have a very good rotation, but they don't have any veterans on that rotation. You know, they're all rookies. Shane Baz has played, what, four? Sorry, Shane Boz rhymes with Oz. Shane Boz has played, what, three games in the majors? Four games? Um, you know, these are important parts of next year's rotation, but I think they need someone a little more experienced to anchor that. I think if Clory Kluber can actually pitch, then he will definitely be a, a great help. Um, and they also signed Brooks Raley, so that will be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rotation um, and the pitching staff looks for the Rays next year. But hopefully Tyler Glasnow comes back in September. He's been out for Tommy John for almost a year now. Um, so he was saying on his podcast recently that there's a chance he comes back for a playoff run. So And all of this, all of these moves all came in November. A month that typically no moves are made in baseball. But the most fascinating thing to me is, once again, it happened before the lockout, which is, or, or surprisingly, you might have forgotten, was the topic of this episode. We got a little <laughs> carried away. Um, but this all happened before the lockout. So, Camilo, how much money do you think was spent, according to Yahoo Sports, okay? According to Yahoo, how much money do you think MLB teams spend or spent um, in November? At least $2. At least $2. At least $2. I would have to agree. You're pretty close right there. Mm -hmm. Team spent $2.16 billion wow. in November, the which is setting a record for like any month in baseball. The previous high uh, being literally $577 million just in 2012. And it's just it's ridiculous that, you know, putting a deadline on, on these – negotiations where every team pretty much just knew that they would they wouldn't have a deal that there was going to be no deal made and they were just like hey you know what let's get everything done beforehand and there's still players out there that haven't been signed and that will probably be a topic for the next episode we'll go into who's still available where should they sign what should the next moves be for these teams one of them is on the braves hint see if you can guess <laughs> see if you can guess but this lockout has done something that we have never seen in baseball history which has made the offseason i mean before the lockout much more enjoyable for a, a baseball fan but let's talk about this lockout let's talk about what has happened since december 1st they met on december 1st people basically walked into the meeting they laughed and they walked out and then since then there's been a couple of things that have happened. Now, Camila, what, what has happened? So it took Major League Baseball and the Players Union over a month to meet again after the lockout started on December 2nd. And it's astonishing to me that nothing was done in that period of time. Um, and I don't know. I honestly don't know what the justification for that is. But they met again on January 13th. Um, Nothing happened at this meeting. Yeah, they didn't talk about the luxury tax, the revenue sharing. Um, they basically, MLB didn't talk about any of the things that uh, the players union wanted them to talk about. So that meeting didn't work out. There were meetings on the 24th and 25th of January. Those didn't work out. The problem with these sort of meetings is that 
these two sides are so far apart that every single meeting, to my knowledge, has ended pretty much in acrimony. The play, I don't think either side is satisfied with the progress that's been happening. And we are a lot closer to a deal now than we were uh, on December 2nd, but that's not to say that there's a deal coming, you know, anytime soon, especially from the, the details that we know from today's meeting on February the 12th. And, and I think there's a lot of things that are kind of justifiable that one side wants, some things that are absolutely outlandish in, in terms of what is realistic. And what the players want, obviously, is they want to... Everything's about money. Let's just get that out of the way. Everything, both sides, everything in life, it's about money, right? Mm-hmm. The owners don't want to spend as much. The players want to get paid more. It's a simple, on paper, that is what is needed to be agreed upon, right? You're trying to find a middle ground there. The players want earlier arbitration, maybe, uh, well, to start, you know, to end arbitration in their fifth year, allowing them to be in free agency earlier. And the owners want to have control over their players for a longer period of time. Uh, you can see where you might find a little bit of, you know, a little bit of friction right there. Um, but there have been a few things that have been agreed upon that are a little interesting. Uh, if you want to get into those, Camila, I know you have uh, a list at least of a few things that have been said. Or Yeah, so the big one, um, the one that's on everybody's radar that's been called on for a little while, is the universal DH, universal designated hitter. Obviously, the National League up to this point, has not used designated hitters. Um, And that's, um, you know, a little fun when, you know, a a Logan Webb hits a home run every now and then. But uh, for the most part, I think it's been a long time coming. The players wanted it. And I don't think that was... uh, I don't think that took a lot of resistance to get on the table. So I think whatever CBA we have going forward, it will include a universal designated hitter. I'm a big uh, fan of the designated hitter uh, for both leagues. Uh, of course, with that being said, that it, what it's going to do is that in the National League, there's going to be 15 more jobs available for veteran hitters who primarily take over the role of designated hitter. We know that. Players that can't take the field anymore. Um, and as we've seen with Shohei Otani, what this does is this is almost an avenue for 15 other teams to realistically have a two-way player that they can fit into their lineup and uh used for that reason if this is the future of the game and this is the future of what the athletes want in in major league baseball so veteran players gonna get more positions on teams and two-way players are kind of becoming um an actual prospect uh going forward of course once again being trailblazed by the great wonderful Shohei Otani yeah that will be definitely interesting to see happen um you know i've been seeing a lot of takes of like oh it's so sad that we're not gonna see pitchers hit home runs anymore i'm so tired of it yeah I'm, you've been seeing it all season if you're in anaheim like it's 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 still going to happen like it, it's it's gonna happen in anaheim definitely and it will happen other places soon pitchers the whole reason pitchers hitting home runs uh is special is because it never happens <laughs> um so when it does happen it's great um, and people talk about, oh, you're taking away strategy. Did you really love sack bunts? Let yeah. me ask. When you were watching a pitcher at bat and you saw a guy on first, he was like, oh, he's going to do the thing. No. 
it was just known that maybe he'll get the bunt down or maybe he'll bunt three foul balls and he'll strike out. It, like, it's it's ridiculous. Pitchers being in the batter's box has almost been an embarrassment for the last couple of years. Um, you know, in general, I think the statistic was that pitchers batted a 100 this year and maybe a couple of them had some pretty major hits, but there wasn't something spectacular about it. And it, it's going to result in a more offensive game, of course, but no more free outs. We don't, I don't want no more free pity outs in the bottom of the lineup all the time. I don't want to see Kyle Hendricks flailing around for three at-bats every game. No. Mm-hmm. So the universal DH was certainly a big thing to come out. Another thing is that expanded postseason is something that really is on the table. That's something that the owners definitely want. Um because obviously more teams will be in making more money, selling more tickets. Um, and it seems like the players are generally okay with this offer as well. You know, you've seen MLB putting forward that they want 14 teams in the postseason as opposed to 10. Um, I think the union wants 12. Um, so this is probably one of the biggest bargaining chips that the players have. Um, because whatever they give the owners on the issue of expanded playoffs is is uh, a concession that they can have um so i'm all i'm for i'm not okay i'm for extended playoffs giving more teams chances i'm not for 14 though i am with the union here on 12 i think 14 is too much 12 is a good amount i don't know exactly know how the structuring will work and maybe that's something that needs to be talked about first but you know the thing about baseball and makes it so special with the current playoffs is only one third of the league makes it. The NBA, the NFL, and other leagues. The NHL's playoff structure is just ridiculous because you have essentially half the league going into the playoffs, right. and it's it's just ridiculous. And I don't think that's what it should be about. I think it should be about rewarding the best teams. Of course, people love miracle runs. Uh, but I, I also love to see, you know, the right people being rewarded for the great 162 marathon. And that's another thing though. These guys play 162 games and people want to see their teams get another chance. Um, but maybe you should have done it in the regular season, but that's just my take. I think 12 is a good number, uh, for it. 14 is a bit much cause then you're just one under half, one under 50% of the league. Um, but I think this is also a pretext for uh, the league to start exploring expansion. That's what I would love to see. Um, which obviously Rob Manford has said that they're not going to pursue expansion until the A situation is resolved and the Ray situation is resolved. And both of those, there looked like there has been a, a good amount of progress made in the last uh, year or so. Um, the Rays... Has have had some positive progress. The athletics less less so. Um, I think they're going to go opt for relocation. Um, but once that's figured out, and that will be in the next year or two years, I think they will really start looking hard at the possibility of expansion. Um, which will be curious to see if this next CBA has rules for an expansion draft. We'll see. Um, there has also been the issue of uniform advertising, which the owners definitely want. Um, I don't want it, though. I am not a fan of this idea. Um, apparently, there's just going to be some patches worn on the uniform, but... 
and, and MLB's had patches in the past, but they've always had a significance. Like I have a David Ortiz retirement tour jersey where it has his, you know, a patch on the side of it with David Ortiz on it. And it's like farewell, big poppy, and it's like I love that, but I don't want to wear a baseball jersey with like Coca Cola patch on my right. shirt. Like I don't, I don't want that. Yeah, it's something that I think sets apart baseball's uniforms from pretty much every other certainly european sports like soccer even even uh latin american baseball has uh is almost completely uh advertisement driven on their uniforms and that's like i understand their social economic reasons for that but i don't know i'm just not a big fan of that but as long as it's as long as it's understated you know hopefully it won't be too big of a distraction from the game Anything else uh, have has been agreed upon, sir Fonseca? Um, there have been talks about free agent compensation. The league is more or less on the same page with that as the players union is. So there are some details that have to be ironed out. But I think mostly they their agreement for free agent compensation has been met. And and Rob Manfred misspoke about it in his press conference, which is just so Rob Manfred if oh, yeah. anything. Um, but what we're talking about is, in, if you don't know what draft compensation is, we're not talking about when a player signs or is drafted by a team and then he doesn't sign so they get an extra pick. We're talking about, when, in terms of free agency, uh, players or teams are allowed to send a qualifying offer to a player, if they, um, which is around a one-year deal, and it's $18.9 million, I believe, somewhere around that ballpark, and... If they decline this deal, that team will get a first-round pick, and the player will go into free agency. And then if another team signs this player who denied a qualifying offer, they lose a third-round pick. So what's going to happen with this scenario is that this is going to be exiled from the game? Yes, it will not be, in theory, in the next agreement. Um, And honestly, I I think I'm okay with it, um, because I, I think... It works for some teams, but it, it doesn't necessarily apply equally because, you know, for small market teams that, uh, you know, can't make qualifying offers or choose not to, we'll get into that distinction in a bit, the whole idea of compensation is just doesn't doesn't I, happen. So I think it's it's so, somewhat of an equalizer. I am, I am just appalled because these teams, no, but I mean, like they will send out qualifying offers even if the player is not going to take it right and they know they're not going to take it just to get that pick but how much is the third i'm questioning because i'm not in the front office right i don't know how much they value a third round pick i'm wondering how much that third round pick is a factor when they think i need to get this guy who's going to win me ball games right i need to get this i need to get max scherzer in my ball my ball club because he's going to go out there five days or once every five days and he's going to pitch and he's going to have a wonderful gem that he's going to put out there and if you're eliminating small market teams from getting a, at least a supplemental first round pick for losing a star player such as, you know, let's let's just take into effect maybe... Um, See, but is it a first round pick or is it a third round pick? No, it's supplemental first round if you lose it and the teams that sign them lose a third round. I see. Mm-hmm. Well, the- it's pretty major. I see, but that's the thing is I think a lot of teams aren't making those qualifying offers, um, which is why we've seen free agency rates um, for a lot of players have skyrocketed in the last couple of years, um, which is interesting because 
uh, average payroll in the league has decreased in the last couple of years. That is true. And, and, and of course, the owners, of course, they want to make more money. And here we go about the money again. But, I mean, the owners have been benefiting for a, a few years now. I mean, it just keeps going down and down and down. Uh, I know a lot of people don't think it is because you have these players like Bryce Harper or or Fernando Tatis Jr. or Trout that signed these major deals. But what you're missing is that they're one in a few, right? Not everybody's getting these deals. And the other players are seemingly going down in wages as well. And, and it's mm-hmm. it makes sense, right? But I do believe that at this current moment, we need to get something done. I think they're... they're I think that we are getting closer. Obviously, we've had things that they have come to an agreement on, or at least have been, um, they're getting close to. It just seems that, I don't know, I, I just feel like it's going to come to a close soon. I hope. Well, I, you know, maybe yeah, maybe that is just wishful thinking. I know I stated earlier that I think March is going to be the determining month, and of course, I don't think spring training starting on time. Uh, there's no way, because pitchers and catchers, I believe, have to report, what, next week? That's not going to happen. And teams have already told their players to not go or not even worry oh, about it. Oh, I hadn't it. heard that. Well, I mean, a I, couple teams have, have that definitely makes sense, said honestly. It to their pitchers and catchers that there's no point to, you know, just keep working on whatever you're working on and don't worry about the travel. Hey, fees but and stuff. Rob Manfred said spring training is going to happen. And he so said the season's going to start. Now. I believe Rob Manfred 100%. And I'm sure he knows what he's doing. Yeah, we all love Rob Manfred. It's very much uh, accepted around the league. Rob Manfred is. So um, beloved. The best commissioner in all American sports. He's a commissioner for the players. Of course. Yes. He is, of course. As he never fa- um, he does not fail to remind us um, that he negotiated two labor agreements. So, therefore, everything is the players' fault now. Um, but why don't we get into why, what these actual negotiations have failed to accomplish, um, especially as of today. Um, so I have the details um, from today's proposal here. They're not complete, and there have been some some different numbers that I've seen thrown around because we don't know exactly exactly what was in the 130-page proposal that the league gave the players today. Um, part of it was no draft pick penalties for luxury tax violations, um, which in their in MLB's latest proposal there were draft pick penalties. Um, the luxury tax threshold was raised to, I think, $222 million. So that's a $2 million increase from their last proposal. And I believe, yeah, it was at $206 million currently. So that's, what, a $16 million increase? Um, which is good, but it's certainly not what, it's not what the players are expecting. Because the players don't like the luxury tax at all. Um, 15 million for pre-arbitration, uh, players. So instead of a $10 million pre-arbitration pool, it'll be 15 million. Um, and then the minimum for two plus years of service time is, uh, now 725k or I've seen, uh, I think Ken Rosenthal said, oh no, Bob Nightingale said 745. We love love Bob Nightingale. Which is not the, ESPN says 725, Bob Nightingale says 745. So I'm not sure which one of those is true. If it's 745, then that's pretty close to what the league wanted because they wanted 750. Um, And for comparison, the number right now is, I think, 570. 
Yes, um, it's somewhere around which it's is in the five hundred. Very, thousand. very low, especially considering that league revenues have gone oh. uh, way up in the last couple of years. I mean, yeah, baseball makes the second most amount of money in American sports um, per year um, off there. Of course, they have a very long season, in fact, but behind the NFL, which the NFL are very high in oh, terms yeah. of revenue, uh, the MLB makes the second most, uh, at least that's what we've talked about in my sports communications class, of course, uh, very often. Um, but, you know, I think that there's a lot to discuss here. I don't know whether or not we really have the time to get into the the nitty gritty bitty bits of it, um, but in in general, let's I think tackle one of the subjects that has been uh, mentioned in terms of the monetary of the sports, the luxury tax. Okay, <laughs> I, I was mouthing luxury tax, entirely. which was where I was going, anyways. But you kind of stumbled me there when you looked at me mouthing luxury tax. But yeah, I want to talk about the luxury tax and MLB, of course. Without the luxury tax. You know, the Red Sox might might still have Mookie Betts right now, but... The luxury tax is something that uh, I think is probably the most controversial sticking point of these these negotiations. Um, and honestly, I see why, because I think I might have a very different opinion than a lot of other people on the luxury tax. Um, the players, for reference, don't like the luxury tax at all because they're saying it drives down free agency spending. Um, it forces the teams to artificially constrict payroll it's like an art uh, a soft salary cap i think only something like four teams this last season were over it um so teams are more or less treating it as a soft salary cap um i think the problem with the luxury tax is not necessarily that it exists I think the problem is that teams are choosing to go crazy on higher-end free agents um, while they're paying lower-end free agents league minimum salaries. Um, and that's why the gulf between the gulf between the higher-end of players and the lower-end of players has, has been expanding over years over the years. Um, if you look at it, the last there's seven out of the last 10 highest free agent uh, contracts in terms of annual value have been in the last five years. So spending on free agents as a whole has not been going down. It's just that that spending is not equal across, you know, rosters. Um, so that's, I think, what the union's disparity is. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about the luxury tax. And I'm not oh, going to sit here and, and act that I don't think that there should be some sort of cap. I think that right now we're in a situation where the luxury tax needs to be raised, but I I do worry about those smaller market teams being able to be competitive without some sort of restrictions on these these big market teams, of course. And I, I think as a Red Sox fan being in a big market, I don't want to be biased towards that rule and, and that will just benefit me. I really do look at the smaller market teams that are, I want to see com- be competitive in the league. And I worry about if they're not, of course, it's on them to build a good system for recruitment and such like that. But I don't know how sustainable the league would be if there was a crazy high um, luxury tax. I think that there should be, is there should be a bare minimum, yes. a, a floor 
um, for them to to have. And I don't know where that number needs to reside at, but I do believe that's something that needs to happen. Which is a shame that I don't know if that's on the table anymore. Because in the in the league's first proposal in August, they proposed a hundred million um, salary floor uh, per year for each team, um, which I think was a great idea. But the problem is they scaled down the CBT, uh, the luxury tax, to one eighty million from mm-hmm. I think two hundred six is what it is at now. So that was a non-starter for the union. Um, I think if you raise, if you install a salary floor. Uh, and raise the luxury tax. I think then a conversation starts to happen. I just don't know if that's something that I just don't know if that's something that the league will consider. Which is disappointing. It's disappointing as a, as a fan of the sport. It's disappointing to see that. I want um I want baseball. I want there to be fair for everybody, of course, and that's unrealistic. Always going to be unrealistic. Um, you know, wishful thinking. Just I I think the salary floor would would go off and, and make it so we're having more competitive seasons from some of these teams that are absolutely atrocious. Yes, and incentivize the tank. Right. Oh, we didn't even get into the draft lottery. Yes. Well, that's a whole that's a whole other Do you want to talk about that? I don't think that we have time to talk about that today. We are going to be approaching the hour mark soon, and I know we went on and had an extended episode last week. Um, which was so fun to edit, I will tell you guys from personal experience. But I do want to kind of hold back our thoughts exactly uh, on that type of topic. And I think what we can do next episode is we'll tackle on uh, free agents left. We'll tackle on the future of the the importance of the draft. Uh, and, we'll, and we'll tackle some other of these, some more of these topics as we wait for more information, of course, which is why we've been so relaxed. We haven't been able to talk about much, so these episodes are being much more spread out. But I think we can carry on the discussion next episode. I don't think that mm-hmm. going another half hour talking about the draft lotteries um, may be the best idea. Yeah, hopefully there will be more information out next time we record. Well, also, something that they didn't even talk about. Um, and today's proposal was revenue sharing, which is a massive sticking point for um, the players union because they hate revenue sharing because a lot of teams, the Rays included, because our ownership is I'm not going to get into that. But there are grievances filed against four teams because their payrolls are less than the money that they're getting in revenue sharing. So, you know, is the is the bargaining agreement going to include any terms like saying that you have to use revenue sharing money for like on payroll? What how are the owners going to respond to that? There's so much stuff that's still up in the air, which makes me think that, you know, we're not going to get a resolution to this by February 26th. Specific date right there. I don't think we're going to get anything in February. I'm hoping that things start to look better in the MLB, but we can only hope for the best. And I'm going to keep on hoping up until our next episode, which we haven't decided whether or not we're going to be doing this every other week thing or not. Um, it's kind of just depending on keep our it a lives. mystery. Right. But what you guys can expect is that there will be episodes in the future. And we do appreciate you guys listening to this episode of the Two Scene Podcast. Uh, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please, of course, subscribe on Spotify, you know, and, and, and give us some support. Uh, we're not active on the two seam Twitter account, and maybe that's something that we should look forward to doing uh, in the future and maybe getting into even having an Instagram account where we can start making some graphics and put out um, some designs. I have a lot of ideas for 
ways that we can start improving our our social media output but where we are more active is on our personal accounts and uh you can follow me if you enjoy my takes i do have some some sometimes i i say some funny stuff about baseball on twitter um sometimes they're uh very bad jokes but if you guys enjoy my takes you can follow me at tyler underscore underscore foy on twitter and camila uh if you like to see no jokes um <laughs> and just retweeting every little bit of news that jeff Passon says um you can find me at fonseca f-o-n-s-e-c-a underscore e-s-q on twitter and instagram and facebook <laughs> and and facebook nice. and linkedin i don't know that, that is not your linkedin tag <laughs> um we do love a little linkedin but we do also love to have you guys here on the podcast and i appreciate you guys for listening and i hope to see you guys next week when, or whenever we do it in the next mystery of the two scene podcast Bye.